welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. <sighs> He's so good. I love your ways, Jesus. <laughs> Isn't it so cool that he, I don't know, I just think about my story. He's so faithful. He's just really, really faithful. And I think he just wants to, um, I was just feeling like in worship that he wants to, he he wants for us to give him a new surrender um, of like how we perceive our story. Like we perceive it a certain way that this is how it goes and this is what it means and this is where I'm at now in our, in our story. But I think he wants us to give him a new surrender with our stories. And I think he wants us to, he wants to be able to shape it with the way he views it now. Because I think we can feel like we're in the in-between, like we're not quite where we want to be, that we can kind of live in a place of disappointment. Um, we can kind of live in this like limbo of like disappointment. And so then we even forget the promise that he's given us. We start to forget because we don't, we just are running away from disappointment. <laughs> Honestly, I don't want to be disappointed all the time. And so then we're, it's self-protection. So I just think he wants to give us a new, um, just opportunity to be like, okay, hey, you know, I, I, I don't want to be the rebellious one that didn't enter the promise. I don't want to be that one. I want to be the one that keeps holding on to the promise and that actively sees it like you see it and pursues it like you pursue it. Because he, like Christy's word said the other day, he's never stopped pressing. He's never stopped pressing. And so I think it's just a good opportunity. (laughs) It's a good opportunity. I'm going to read this first. It was a little word that he gave me today. He says, daughter, son, I have made the way. The way is open. What you cry out for is the passing through. It is not simply the belief made manifest. So what I think he means by that is it's not simply um, just believing what's a, a given you know what I mean it's like actually passing through so um but the passing over into a new place the promised land my heart too is crying out for the passing over into the new order leave the things of the old order behind and refuse any longer to be blinded by the hindrances that call themselves holy. These are the activities engaged in to save oneself, self-righteousness. It is a refusal and a rejection of grace. Nothing grieves my heart more. This isn't my way. My way is giving everything up front and teaching you how to use it. You are not yet proficient, but in the moments of defeat, I remind you of the gifts I've already given to you. And the moment you turn to me with an open heart, the veil is lifted. Can't you see? 
I'm calling you into the magnificent things. The lion revival is on the horizon. This is simply lion training. Your lion has been tamed. (laughs) Taught that godly responses are wrong and wrong responses protect you. Protection is to take the name I've given you. Protection is to refuse to refuse the remnant I've made you. Will you refuse to reject my ways any longer? Will you refuse to play with the things I've removed from you? Daughter, son, there is an expanse I am bringing you into. Will you come? So I think that, whew, there's a lot in that. I think that he is obviously making reference to the word that Christy released on Sunday about taking the last name. Um, she had a dream about um, that had within it a word, a dream within a word that said uh, failing to protect by, re- um, or uh, failing to protect by um, not taking, not inheriting a last name. And so that means that we are not taking on his identity. Um, we're not taking on his identity, his last name. That really is the thing that should define us. And so that's what protects us. That's what protects uh, our hearts and uh, makes us realize who we are. And so I think there's a lot in it, but I'm going to try to navigate it with you guys. Um, I wanted to say that I think that there's a few key things that we need to realize that we already are. So number one is that we're chosen. We're the chosen ones. We're the chosen remnant. And so I'll just read, I'll prove it to you with scriptures. Uh, um, Isaiah 65 says, a chosen remnant. Here is what Yahweh says. And this is funny because Tisa actually preached about this uh, in June about the cluster of grapes. There's new wine in the cluster. And so um, I'm just going to try to unpack it in maybe a little bit of a new way. says that here's what Yahweh says. As new wine is found in the cluster and someone says, don't destroy it for there's blessing in it. That's what I will do for my servant's sake. I will not destroy them all. I will raise up offspring from Jacob and from my chosen ones of Judah and possess my mountains and my servants will settle there. So I feel like what he's saying in that is that we've been chosen as a remnant. So we're a remnant, which means that in this context that we were actually taken out of a family as a remnant. So that's number one. We were chosen as a remnant and we were taken out of a family to be a remnant. And so um, trying to think. I think this is the next place I wanted to go. So in John 15, 9, it says, 
I love each of you with the same love. This is what Tisa said. Let me go back. This is what Tisa said about the remnant and the cluster. Last time she preached about it, it was um, about that it's about abiding. So when we abide in the vine, we've one been taken out as a remnant. And so now we are to abide in the vine in intimacy with him. And so this is that verse. Uh, John 15, and it says uh, in verse 9, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me, and you must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, for I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that joy that the joy I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. So this is my command, love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And that this great love is de demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. So I've, in that footnote, it says that willingly, laid down, willingly lays down his soul for his friends. And friends actually means family. <laughs> and so we've been taken out as a remnant and put into a family that we are actually supposed to train our souls to give everything for, to sacrifice everything for our friends, the family that we've been put into. So these are things that we already, we, he's already told us and we already are. So. We are practicing that. That's what he said up front. He gives these things up front, and then he actually teaches us how to do them and use them. So the second thing that he told me that we are is grafted in, and that goes along with the vine analogy. And there's an, another scripture uh, Romans eleven seventeen. I don't have it pulled up, but it says that we are um, the orphans that we're grafted in. So, number three is that we've given we've been given all we need for everything. So this is a pretty good setup that we've got going on. <laughs> we've been given all we need for everything. We've been chosen as a remnant. We've been taken out and put in into put into a family. And, it, and now we've literally been given everything we need to operate within all of that. So, says in Second Peter, it's a good one, that God's generous grace is what it's called. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price so that through the power of these tremendous promises, we can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. So I want to read this footnote. Hold on.
says, Christ lives in us and transforms us into his very own likeness. In Christ, we share with him the divine nature. We will all bear the image of the man from heaven, Jesus Christ. So we literally look, are, look, look like him and are like him. Sorry, I'm losing my place. Sorry. It's good. So it's reopening. Bum, bum, bum. So I think that, to kind of backtrack, I think that all of that is something that is his yes. All of that is his yes. And, though, and we get to say amen to that. And so um, I want to go back to uh, talking more about what Tisa said on Sunday about that um, God's yes and our amen brings him glory. So I'm going to reread that scripture. It says, Jesus Christ is the son of God and he is the one whom Timothy, Silas, and I have preached to you. This is Paul talking. And he has never been both a yes and a no. He has always been and will always be for us a resounding yes. For all of God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in him and his yes and our amen ascend to God We bring and we bring him glory. So amen means that's right. That's what the footnote says. That's right. You're right, God. You know what? I think God might be right. So I kind of wanted to share with you guys just a process that I went through um, that was really good for me to remember. So then now I can tell you about it. So I think that we, kind of going back to what I was saying about we do um, this process of disappointment, just being disappointed a lot in that we have a hope for more but then we strive or do something that makes us discouraged and then the focus becomes all about us and then we miss it and then we just do that process again and we feel discouraged. So I think he's trying to show us a different process. And so I think that how it begins is I think embracing what we've been talking about, which is that we have a need and it's on purpose that we have a need and that actually rejecting our needs is saying that I can be my own savior and that's self-righteousness. So that is, I mean, you reap what you sow. (laughs) Like I'm getting into self. My focus is on self. And so then obviously what I'm going to reap is self. So what happened with me was the other day, I let just a little lie come in, and that's what it says, that even just a little lie can permeate your entire belief system. And that's exactly what happened, because in one day, just a little lie came in, and I immediately gave it my amen. And I said, you know what? That's right. That's right. I I should fix that about myself. That is bad about me. Like, And it was just that little thing that then the enemy was like, oh, yeah. And he got in there and he gave me all these lies about all these other areas that had nothing to do with the first thing in the first place. And so then it just permeated my entire belief system. 
until then I was like, this is what I did. I said, this is not a good process, but I'm just telling you what I did. And so that you can do the, the last part. So this is what I did. I, I said, oh yeah, oh man, I've got all these lies now that are everywhere. And so then I said, God, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. And guess what he did? Nothing. And I felt really ignored. And I was like, God, like, you're not engaging with me in this process that I'm doing. And he was like, yeah, I'm not going to. <laughs> and so that's what's so cool about him is that he's the same and we just get to come over to where he is. And it's exactly like what Tisa said on Sunday that she said that God is not even saying no because he didn't make the thing that you're trying to show him. So he's not even going to engage with it. I mean, it's not to go there, but if, you, if your toddler brought poop up to you in their hand, then like you're, you're not going to just grab that from them. You're, I mean, you might get like some, a hose, but I think that he's not, he's not, he's not like, yeah, let me, let's dissect, let me take that poop and let's dissect it. Let's, let's put it on the table and start looking through it and see what's in it. Like, no, no. So I think that's kind of what it's like is that we, we have this broken process that we try to do with God and it's really stubbornness. Honestly, it's stubborn to say, hey, this is what I want you to do, God. And, and in my heart, that was what I had to face, was that in my heart, I had already given my amen to that lie. Yes. And so until I said, I'm not going to give my amen to that lie anymore, then I, I got to live with what I gave my amen to, with what I said, that's right, yeah. too. And so... What happened was that after all that, I got down on my face and I just said, okay, I don't know what to do now because I tried. I tried all I knew how to do. All I knew how to do was to bring you all these lies and all this stuff and all I knew how to do was that. And so I just got down on my face and when I got in that posture, I saw heaven, and I saw that the, the worshipers around the throne didn't stop worshiping that day. He never got smaller that day because I wasn't in my place. And so the moment that I did that, and I just got low, and I just said, you know what? You're God. <laughs> There's something so profound about that. Yes, yes. You know what? You're God. It doesn't mean that I don't have a need. It doesn't mean that I deny that I have a need. But in that position is where he poured out his love on me. When I got low and I said, okay, I don't want it to come my way. I don't want it to come this way that I am so stubborn in my way with my anchor down and saying, this is the waters that it's got to come from. 
I'm gonna pull in this big haul of fish from this waters and I'm never gonna stop, move from this place. It was whenever I lifted up my anchor and I said, I put my anchor in you and you're big. You're the thing. It's you. That then he unleashed his love on me. And he met the need that I had in the first place. And so I didn't have to do any of that other process. I just had to say, hey, you're God. And when we make him big and we we get in that position of being humble and coming humbly, it really does cut the legs right out from under the enemy. It just cuts them off. Because the enemy so loves to get us to engage in a process that is totally relevant to anything. And so whenever we just come in low and just say, okay, God, like you're God and I'm here and I'm worshiping you and I'm making you bigger than all this stuff, then it cuts his legs out and he can't even do anything with that. He can't even do anything. He's just like, okay, well, I give up because then you see that it doesn't matter. The thing that you're worried about doesn't even matter. Like, that's why that cuts his legs out. Like, because he's counting on you being like, well, no, that's not true. He's counting on that. And so when it, just like whenever Moses saw the burning bush and he said, but who am I, God, that I could do what you said? God didn't answer that because it was a stupid question. He said, I am. I am. I am. I am. That's what you need to know. I am. And so it's from his I am that we get to be something. That's the only place that we get to be something is when we submit under his I am. And it's exactly what Tisa was talking about here with the tumbler. She was saying, we put the walls up. We're the ones that erect these things in front of God and say, yeah, this is in between my destiny. And that's, I mean, it's just pride, honestly. When we get low, it just, it completely cuts out that whole process. And we don't have to do that anymore. So. So what we're not doing is saying that we don't have any needs. Because, like I said before, that is self-righteousness. That's saying I can be right. Um, So I want to read this um, from Revelation 3. It's a letter to Laodicea. And uh, Laodicea means self-righteousness. And so it says... Um, I know all you do, and I know that you are neither frozen in apathy nor fervent with passion. How I wish you were either one or the other. But because you are neither hot nor cold but lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. For you claim, I'm rich and getting richer, I don't need a thing. So that's the religious spirit right there. I don't need anything. 
you know what? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. That's, that is the religious spirit that comes into, I mean, in our group settings, in small groups, when you come and you say, you know what? I'm all good. I don't need anything today. Like, it's good to realize where you're at, but don't, don't come saying with, to, to God who has everything and say, you know what? I'm all good. Because that's just saying that I can do it on my own. So I think that this is what I'm trying to say here, is that doing that process steals our passion. It steals our passion. And so when we find ourselves in a day and we find ourselves not passionate, then did we, did we come low? Did we come in and say, hey, you're God? I think that's what would solve so much. As if we would just go into a day saying, wow, God, wow, you're amazing, you're God. <laughs> you get to use me in any way you want. You have my yes, you have my amen. You don't, I'm not going to say no to you today because I'm afraid of my lack of do good. I'm afraid of my lack. That doesn't even make sense. It's so silly to be afraid of your lack. It's so silly. It's like, okay, I'm coming to the fountain and being like, yeah, I don't have any water today. Oh, God, I'm crying out to you. Bring me water. And he's saying, I'm right here. I'm pouring myself out. I am righteousness. I am everything for you. And that's actually the place that when we tap into him, when we tap into him, we aren't disappointed. We're never disappointed. When we tap into him and we say, okay, you get to be my everything and I get to come as a little child. So that was the other thing I was going to read. Jesus called a little one to his side and said to them, Learn this well, unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable like a little child, you will never enter in. I like to equate it with what we said earlier about entering into the promise. That Bill said it's, a, it's rebellion to not enter the promised land. But you think it's wisdom. It's, it's wisdom to, we think it's wisdom to analyze our own self and to dissect all the lies and all the poop that comes in. <laughs> we think that's wisdom, but really all it does is make us discouraged and put fear into our hearts. And so if we could just undermine all of that and say, hey, I'm just going to come like a little child. Yeah. So he said, Unless you dramatically change the, your, your way of thinking and become teachable like a little child, you will never be able to enter in. Whoever continually humbles himself to become like this little child is the greatest one in heaven's kingdom realm. <sighs> That's good. So instead of trying to not be needy, if we would just magnify him to his status that he really is, 
then then everything would change. Instead of trying to not be needy, and if we just change the way we approach need and say, wow, God, I'm changing my focus. I'm changing the way I think to that. You are so, so big. So I think we just have to remember that the denial of our identity is false humility. That's not real. Humility. Humility says, God, I believe everything you say. Humility says, be it unto me. Just like Mary, be it unto me as you say. And so I think that we have to in order to move into this next season, we really do have to be really vigilant about what we allow ourselves to believe about our identities. We can't go into the promised land thinking of ourselves as grasshoppers. That's, it's not possible. Because we just won't do it. And like I said in the beginning, we'll just change the goal. We'll just try to not be disappointed. And so we'll limit everything down and we'll actually forget that there was a promise in the first place. We'll forget that there was a promise. And so if you're in that place that you've forgotten that there's a promise, then you have to go back to the drawing board and just get on your face and say, God, you're God. And from that place, he will say, hey, this is who you are. This is who you are. Remember who you are? And that's exactly what he did with me whenever I just got low and I just said, wow, you're God. He, t- he, gave, he just downloaded all these wor- prophetic words that he gave me like a long time ago and that I had forgotten and that like I didn't even remember that that was a promise that I had. Yeah. And so if you're in that place where you have so backtracked to try to not be disappointed that you don't even remember what the promise is, then you just have to say, okay, I'm coming again. I'm just going to come again and say, wow, God, look at what you did. Look at what you did in me. You set me free. I'm not the same person that I used to be. All of us can say that. Wow, God, you are amazing. You're so faithful. Oh, I have to read that one more thing. Sorry, one more thing. That was so good. So this is still in Isaiah 65, and it's um, verse 15, and he says, actually, I'm going to go down to verse 16. For whoever pronounces a blessing on the earth will do so in my name, the name of 
the God of faithfulness, which is the God of the Amen. He's the God of the Amen. And so what's so cool about him is that I'll read it to you. It's in this. footnote in second corinthians where he's talking about our amen it says that um it is christ who speaks through us the the amen of faith and so he it just all goes it's all in this cycle that's like really everything comes from him he gave us faith in the first place to say amen and then he's actually in us saying amen (laughs) that completely just cuts out any striving whatsoever that you could try to just take this message and be like, okay, let's go. Like that, it all goes back to him. He's the God of the amen and the yes. So he's saying yes to all this stuff. And he's saying amen to what I said. That's right. Give it, take it, take it. (laughs) So I think that he... I have to read one more thing. Okay, one more thing. It's so good. So in the in the the um, last part of Second Peter says that uh, so devote yourselves to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness, and to goodness add understanding, and to add, and to understanding add the strength of self control, and to self control add patience, endurance. This sounds like everything we've ever needed, and to patience, endurance. Add godliness, and to godliness add mercy toward your brothers and sisters, and to mercy toward others add unending love. And get this, since these virtues are already planted deep within you, that's in me, and you possess them in abundant supply, they will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus more intimately. So it's really in our acknowledgement of what's already in us that keeps us from being fruitless. And so we're never going out just trying to get, 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 or trying to, trying to do something to earn. It's always saying, this is, this is God's way that I said in the beginning. He gives us everything, and then he reminds us of what's in us. And that keeps us, if you're ever ner- nervous or worried about being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus more intimately, then read this verse. It's in Second Peter 5 through 10. So he's actually, then he says, he goes on to say that if you lack these things, then you're actually just closing your eyes. Wow. Yes. And that means you're just unaware. If you lack it, then you're just unaware that you already have it. And that just takes the faith that he gave us. He gave me faith to believe this. Now I have faith to believe that this is already all in me and that he's doing a work in me and that I'm not going to be inactive and that I'm not going to miss it. And that he's actually pulling me from the inside out into the things that are that he's into all his promises into the things that he wants to do with me into the thing and that gives us all of this just gives us so much joy 
I'm going to end with this. Um, I'm going to read John 15, verse 9 again, and it says, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. So that means you have to let his love nourish your hearts. You have to let it. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love. What are the commands? The ones he just tell you to be nourished by love. And if you keep it, you will live in my love. For I continually live nourished and empowered by his love, the Father's love. My purpose for telling you these things, this is me to you. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. So that's his goal. That's his goal. So let your hearts be nourished with his love. And all you have to do is come. And it's way more simple than your brain is making it. So if you're nervous, just go back to this. So, Daddy, we just say yes to the experience that you want to give us through this. Yeah, he told me um, that whenever we occupy this message that I just said, that the things that I just said, if when we occupy that, we take territory. And so let's occupy this, this new process that we don't have to evade need and we don't have to give it all of our attention and, and say what how we want it to be met. But we actually just get to say, wow, you're God. And from that position, he downloads everything we could ever need. So we just say yes. We say our amen to your yes, daddy. Remind us of the promises. Remind us of all the things that you've told us that we've forgotten. Remind us, remind us, remind us. So we can say our amen to them. We love you, daddy. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay